1: you're now tuned in to the investor show where we teach simple wealth creation for the common investors with investment advisor award-winning author international speaker and founder of royal financial investment group prince dykes
0: ladies and gentlemen we're alive back here in the beautiful state of denver colorado With the Prince of Investing Show, I'm your host, Prince Dykes, coming all the way live from the beautiful state of Denver, Colorado. Don't forget to hit that like, subscribe, comment, and share button if you're catching this on YouTube and um, the podcast, radio, or wherever you may catch this around the globe. I really want to say thank you. If you guys got questions, follow the description box or drop comments below. But as always, I don't have a lot of time, and I definitely know you guys and girls don't have a lot of time, so we're going to jump straight into it. What up, what up? It's your boy Vigo Sachi. This is The Investor Show, and you're checking in with the investor genius, Prince Dykes. Let's get it. So today's show is going to be, as you guys can see, today's show is going to be about commercial business loans. Now, we all know about regular loans. We know school, student loans, all of the good stuff like that. But what what are commercial loans, right? So I wanted to get into the concept of what are commercial loans, how can they be used, how can they help fund a business, how to use the different types, all the other great stuff. So with me, as you guys can see, I got a very, very special guest to come talk about this. And before we jump in today and I introduce my guest, I want to say thank you to Education Education is Dope. I thought this was a cool shirt that they gave me here for the show. But without further ado, let me introduce my guest, Alternative Funds Partner, Mr. Stonewall Napier, how was going today, sir?
1: Going very well. How are you, Prince?
0: I'm doing pretty good. Now, one of the things that I saw uh, that your history that you did about 13 years at Wells Fargo first, right? Yes. Did 13 years at Wells Fargo. But people out there who don't know, I have, um, he was on our he was at Gateway High School when he did um, uh, we did the children's financial it was a children's financial literacy uh, Cybersecurity expo a fintech expo. Right there where we came out and spoke to, I want to say it was about, I don't know, a 1,000 students throughout that day. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of students, so, you know, a lot of fun. And I want to appreciate you for coming out there and, and doing that for the community. And the kids really loved hearing from that in the school and stuff like that. So for the people out there, in case I missed something, who was Stonewall and
1: Gosh. <laughs> well, I think you got a lot of it. <laughs> uh-huh. um, I, I was at Wells Fargo for a decent period of time. I think I was 13, 16 years, somewhere around there. It doesn't really matter. But I um, started off there as a um, as a personal banker, worked mm-hmm. for about a year, and then I was able to become licensed with my Series 7 and 66, got into leadership on the retail side of the bank, and ultimately moved over to our wholesale side of the bank. And wholesale meaning the commercial side, dealing with um, business um, types of clients, and worked as an underwriter, um, underwriting oil and gas loans, so... Mm-hmm. Um, that was that was pretty interesting. Ultimately, moved over into our treasury management, our cash management business, and got back into leadership, and left the organization as a um, senior vice president, um, covering a multitude of different types of businesses, ranging from healthcare to um, internal and affiliates, which means the the internal group of Wells Fargo and our correspondent banking and things like that. So, did a lot of different things within the bank. Um, that's my finance side, and then there's other stuff that I do as well. Number one
0: thing I want to ask you, how much
1: money and loans do you think you probably underwritten? <sighs> wow, that's a, a lot. Ballpark. Ballpark, I would say well in excess of probably $4 billion in loans. $4
0: billion in loans. So, yes. and Out of all those loans and billions of dollars, you know, I, I didn't
1: even get $5. That's kind of... Um, I, I never saw your application come through. There was some, <laughs> some application? <laughs>
0: okay, so you're well-versed. You're very experienced in the loan business and commercial loans and things like that. So the first question I want to ask, what is a commercial
1: loan? You know, that's, a, that's an interesting question. So commercial loans are essentially just loans to businesses. Um, it, it can come in various different sizes and shapes, and sometimes organizations will call them things like an ABL loan or asset-based lending loan. Um, sometimes they're called, um, you know, a line of credit even or, you know, a secured loan or mortgage loan. Um, so, But they're, they're essentially the same type of loans that you would see for a personal, um, mm-hmm. a personal loan, but they're for businesses. And they have different caveats associated with them, different things that um, organizations have to do, have to provide. And the terms of those loans are going to be significantly different, too.
0: Okay. Now, all of those commercial and you're doing an alternative funding... What are the pros and cons of a commercial loan, right? Because, you know, um, evidently, you know, to, to get funding for a company requires some type of fund, some type of money. Right. So in order to get that money, uh, to, to, to get money or whatnot, what are some of the, what are the pros? Like, why would I want to get a commercial loan versus just a regular business loan or whatnot?
1: So there's, there's not going to be much of a difference between a commercial loan and a business loan, okay? Mm-hmm. So the commercial loan, and, and again, that's just a title that they give business loans, essentially. Yeah. Um, but the benefit of having a commercial loan versus a standard personal loan is the fact that you're starting to establish a real business, right? And you want to make sure that you have all of your, your paperwork and your ducks in a row showing that you are a viable entity. Mm-hmm. And should something happen it then folds into that particular business, whether it be an LLC or a corporation or what have you. Um, so it, a lot of it has to do with the structure of a business and making sure that the business is in and it of itself a viable entity and it's not just you as an individual. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the cons associated with it um, are some of the fees. You know, wow. there, it's, there's, they can be um, significantly more than a personal loan because the risk associated with it is gonna be a little bit higher. Um, they're typically going to be higher dollar amounts mm-hmm. um, at times than you would see for a, a personal type of a loan. So, um, again, that that can getting approved for commercial loans is a little bit different process. Mm-hmm. Not only do they take into consideration you as an individual who might be a key um, owner of the company, mm-hmm. but they'll also take into consideration the viability of that business. How how well is that business doing? Is it profitable? Um, Other factors such as the economy and what's going on in that particular industry that you might be in business with, um, are those things viable? So they'll take a look at all of that and determining whether or not, should we give this, um, you know, when, when a bank is looking at it, should we give this loan to this company or not?
0: Okay. So a person out there who's, you know, like you said, the advantages and disadvantages of the interest rates and things like that, I wanted to... You can back me up if you agree with this or whatnot. That There are a lot of companies out there that haven't been profitable for five or six, seven years, and they're surviving off of lines of credit, commercial business long. Is that, is that true?
1: Or? There's some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that what happens is, and we'll see that a lot in the technology industry, um, also in some of, the, um, some of the healthcare industries, you'll see that they're, it's a pre-revenue type of business. So there's a lot of cost sunk into the development Mm -hmm. of whatever it is they want to sell. So it takes a while for them to become profitable. And they do spend a lot of um, borrowed money to get to that point. Um, But it's the anticipation. And and ultimately, when a a bank is looking to loan money, they're looking at a longer term out. They're not saying, well, can you pay me today? That's important, yes. But they're also saying, well, what does it look like five years from now? And organizations like you just described, they have a, almost a dismal story for today, but a very compelling story for five years out. They're developing something that is going to be either earth shattering or is positioning them to then be profitable. And they'll show on what we consider a, um, we call it a pro forma or a a future financial statement. Mm. It'll show that, okay, years one, two, and three, we're operating at a loss, which is why we need this money up four or five and then out the years out from that we're profitable and we're we're increasing profit and we're increasing growth
0: okay now with that being said if you know looking at the performer looking at what the future of a company is going to do now if a company comes in and they say hey well we're having a you know an issue with paying you guys back paying back the loans you know an individual loan you know it messes up your credit Right. You know, you don't pay back You know, the rest of your credit, you can't borrow more money. What are some of the negative downfalls that a company has
1: so if they very can't sim- pay back their loans? So it's very similar to what you would see in, in a personal standpoint. Um, banks can't force them, you know, the ultimate thing that can happen or the worst thing that can happen is that a bank forces you into bankruptcy, saying, we're collecting on this, you're going to need to liquidate your company. We're taking co- control of any asset that we lent against and we're going to sell it off at, you know, um, pennies on the dollar. Mm. So we're shutting down your business, essentially. Mm. And similar to a, a personal um, type of financial record, businesses have financial records as well. They're reported through various different industries, including like a Dun & Bradstreet. Mm. So you'll probably heard about D&B reports to where you can pull up how has the financial viability of this business been over you know the past five years, ten years, or shorter term, whatever um, you know the life of that particular company is, you can take a look at that and determine whether or not you're going to get funding in the future. So companies that have a hard time, that may file bankruptcy, they may have a harder, a harder time getting funding in the future. It doesn't mean it's impossible. It means it's going to cost a lot more. Wow. Okay.
0: So you know. So what? What are, like? If, you know, know, you said a company could force you into bankruptcy. But if a company, you know, if they're having hard times, is it easy to negotiate with a commercial loan? Then is it independent? But since, you know, let's say if you went out and got $25,000 and you didn't have any assets but you had good credit, you got $25,000, mm-hmm. line of credit, and a company was struggling to, to pay the company back, would, what would be some of the ramifications? Would they work with the business to
1: say, hey, what's going on? Or Some financial institutions will. Um, I'm not going to say that all of them will. Mm-hmm. But some financial institutions will, because ultimately what the bank wants to do or whoever lent the money, they want to get that money back, you know, yeah. in addition to what interest. they had, the interest that they had charged on it. Now, interest is, again, secondary. Yeah, they want to make the profit that they had already built into this loan, but they also realize that if you're out of business or this company is out of business, chances that they get anything back, you know, start to come into question. Mm-hmm. So they'll work with them to try to figure out, well, how do we get you here? Um, most financial institutions have a, they call it a, um, a workout group if things go really bad on a commercial loan. And what happens is these are a, a group of individuals within the bank or an organ, um, a part of the bank that tries to figure out what can we do to help this organization get back on track mm. to be able to service our debt. Um, and if it's, if all the things that are coming to play it's like, okay, if you were to restructure it a little bit here, if we were to do this for you, if none of that works out, then at that point the bank's looking at, quote-unquote, working you out, which is what the group is called, and trying to get you out of the bank because they don't find you as a, a viable um, client anymore. Client anymore. Oh, wow. Right. Now, there are different types of commercial loans. All right. So what are the different types of commercial loans? So there's there's... A lot of it's gonna be based on the collateral associated with it, if if it's gonna be collateralized, meaning if it's um, secured. So there are mortgage loans um, or commercial real estate loans. Mm -hmm. There are, um, what what I mentioned earlier, ABL or asset-based lending, which is essentially gonna lend against, although it's any asset on the balance sheet, they're primarily gonna deal with your accounts receivable. Um, Maybe there's inventory loans, there's equipment loans. So there's all different types of loans that can be out there. And again, it's going to be based on what the security item is going to be. That also dictates what the um, risk level associated with it, impacting the interest rate. Mm. Okay. So essentially, you have to have some type of collateral. You could. There are also unsecured loans. And those are very few and far between. You have to be pretty strong as an organization to get something unsecured, Um Because then we're just basing it on the backing that this organization is profitable and that their business is running that clean Mm -hmm. to where we know they're going to pay it back. Now, would you say
0: that you would, if you was getting ready to start a business, would you recommend someone say, hey, I have good credit. Why not I just take a personal loan and fund my business? Or would you say, hey, start a business first, then seek funding through that business?
1: When you're starting off a business, as with anything, I think you you have to get funds any way you can. And sometimes that is through a personal loan. Sometimes that's through personal credit cards. Sometimes that's through friends and family. Um, Whatever it may be to get the business up and running. Um, Angel investors um, can be individuals that are out there to say, hey, we believe in this type of industry or this type of um, business that you're in. And so we have investors who are willing to put in money. Um, One thing to keep in mind, though, is that um, similar to, well, I guess it's, it's strictly two businesses Funding mechanisms, they have a tier as far as how much they cost, right? Starting off with loans are probably going to be the cheapest, method. well, one of the cheapest areas of getting money, unless you have friends and family that are just giving it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but loans are going to be the, the cheapest way. Next from that, though, which begins gets to be a little bit more expensive, is through equity investors. So they want a piece of your company. Yeah, and overall, if you take a look at the cost of capital, equity is going to be more expensive than
0: debt. Wow, because you have to pay that. Yeah, course. And so, for people out there who don't know what equity is, you know, explain to them like how equity works. Because uh, one of my good friends, you heard of the Cookie Brand, uh, Famous Amos. Yes. Right. Yes. So Wally Amos, right? Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that uh, you know he's been on the show before, and that he spoke about was you know Wally didn't have more than a ninth grade education, mm-hmm. and when he was seeking funding, uh, you know, back in the seventies, when he was seeking funding to keep Famous Amos alive. You know some people you know he got into equity right he said to be honest he didn't really understand equity I knew what equity was right. so he was just giving equity to Oof. you know to, to get money to keep the business alive and the people that was buying the equity were selling the company to other people right. so you know I would like to you know could you elaborate on like
1: how equity is and what it means and how it sure. works equity in you know the simplest terms is ownership so it's not a matter of hey let me borrow this I'll pay you back It's I'm going to give you this money and now I own some of this and I can do what I want with my equity shares Um, Like you had mentioned, you know, you could sell it off um, You could do whatever but it it takes away Depending upon the amount of equity that you're giving up it can it can put you in a situation where you no longer run your company So if you lose majority ownership of the company through issuing equity or ownership of that company Then you no longer have a say-so, you know all the people who own the company now can dictate, well, we think that you should sell these. Instead of cookies, you're going to sell chicken. I don't know. Whatever they want to decide they want to do. Um, the reason why equity is expensive is because it doesn't go away um, mm. unless you buy it back as a, as a company owner. So they're always going to be the, you know a, a partner or a share owner of a particular, you know, that, that company they buy the equity in. Mm. Um, and so if you want to purchase it back, chances are they're going to say, well, okay, I bought it for $10 a share or a piece. I'll sell it back to you for 20 Wow. So that's where it becomes expensive. Um, typically there's dividends and or profits that a company earns that they may decide that they want to um, share. And so those profits then have to be shared with those who have equity stakes in the company. It's not just all you as the owner. So it. okay, um, it's definitely a different... It's a different mechanism altogether. It's a more expensive mechanism altogether, but um, it's it is viable. And we see that with the stock market, you know. There's plenty of companies that go public and sell equity in their company. In order to keep themselves alive and well, well, it's just, just a- it, it legitimizes it and at some point you, the dollars that you may need would require that, you know, a bank's not gonna give you so much money. Um, Or, you know, you've you've probably tapped out the amount of debt that you can take on in service. And once again, the good thing about equity is that you don't pay a monthly service fee on it, right? They just own it. They own your business. So you're not paying a monthly um, payment to it. Um, There's nothing that's owed back, per se. They just own the company. So that's why most organizations will try to balance their debt service with some sort of equity because equity is money they got in. They never have to necessarily pay it back.
0: Okay. So with that going forward, so you say you had, you know, friends and family, then you had loans, then you got to equity. Right. What's after that one? Or is that the top?
1: From a From a borrowing perspective, that's the top. Most, as a lender, mm-hmm. one of the things I wanted to look at was how viable is this company? Can they sustain themselves? You're in business for a reason, to make money, right? Mm-hmm. So hopefully you get to a point to where you can manage your business or sustain your business through the profits of your business. Um, loans come into play, equity comes into play when you're trying to do something bigger than your business can actually maintain it on its own. Okay. So that's why companies will go out and borrow money or issue um, equity or securities because they want to get bigger than the actual operations can generate from a profitability standpoint.
0: Now, go on public, you know, for people that go out there, going public means you're buying you're pretty much putting yourself on a major exchange like a New York stock exchange or a Nasdaq right. or whatnot. Is that process, could you speak to the tuner of that is that process even feasible for a small company like, hey, you know, I used loans and I exhausted it and, you know, then I gave out some equity, but I gave out enough to where I want to keep fifty one percent. So I gave out some, but I need to I need to make more money. Does it doesn't even make sense to go public to try to raise those funds? Because I know
1: there's a lot of companies that are publicly traded that are not profitable. Right. So... The problem with, I, I think, going public, and, and this is an area that starts to step outside of my, my knowledge. I didn't work in, in mergers and acquisitions and things like that or, or um, helping companies go public. But what I know of the process of going public is um, it's expensive. It's hard to do. There's a lot of reporting associated with it mm-hmm. um, where... From a financial reporting perspective, um, there are various different methods that a company can report. They can have, you know, an independent accountant, you know, put them together for them. They can do QuickBooks to have their um, financial reports. But when you go public and you're a publicly traded company, you're required to report a certain way. You're required to have a certain accounting organization or a a certain level of accounting firm audit your records. Because now you're saying to the public that, this is what I am, and this, these are all true. So wow. it does become, um, it's, it's difficult to manage, and it becomes somewhat arduous, but it's not impossible. Again, the system is there for a reason, and for companies looking to raise that additional capital and, and show that they are a viable organization, they do go public. But there's a lot of, you know... So a lot of companies use going
0: public to bring credibility to themselves. credibility, yeah. Oh, okay, wow. Yeah. So, now, one of the things, because it's, you know, we live in this world where it seems like money is just flowing all over the place, you know, millions and billions and, right. you know, funds. Like you said, hey, yeah, i written billions of dollars worth of funds, out. <laughs> loans, and all this good stuff, Underwrote all these loans and stuff like that. Why is it that it seems like some people it just seem like it's just so hard to get $1,000 or $10,000 to even get anything going? So, why does it seem like it's a floodgate, like it's Thanksgiving in one area, but it's feast of famine in another area. Like, why is that, and how can someone, you know, tap into
1: resources? How can they get something like this? So, a lot of it has to deal with the optics of it, okay? Mm -hmm. Certain large financial institutions, um, they have what's called a credit box, right? And it's just basically their their appetite for certain types of credit. Uh, Meaning, do they like this business? Do they... Um, Is it the size of business that they want to have in their portfolio? Mm. Um, Now, for what I do today uh, with alternative funding partners, I have access to, you know, a large number of financial institutions, both bank and non-bank lenders across the nation. And so when you're looking to start up your business or you're looking for funding and maybe the banks are saying, no, that's not, we don't have an appetite for that. Well, they come to us and we're like, well, hey, I know a bank out in, Des Moines that is interested in what you're doing, and I can get funding for you. Or I know some investors over here in Utah that might be interested in what you're doing. So being open and understanding of where funds are sometimes makes it difficult for people, and they get frustrated. Mm. They can't find the funding. Um, So that's where I come into play and my business comes into play to where we do have access and we do know where to go. doesn't mean it's always going to happen. And you so right know you, before
0: I go broke, I need—I mean to cut you off. <laughs> so right
1: before I go broke, I need to call you. Well, <laughs> probably before you go broke. So um, the other thing that I think is is a misnomer is the fact that you know credit is is you know when you when you're looking to get credit and you want some want to borrow money, there's a lot at stake, you know. And so whoever's going to loan you the money wants to know do you have good character, do you have collateral, do you have the you know all the five C's of credit conditions, you know. Um, Are all those things intact for me to loan you money? If it's not, then we have a problem, right? If you historically, as an organization, as a business, or even an individual that runs that business, hasn't been diligent in how they manage their funds and have been, you know, they've never paid back their debt, well, chances are it's going to be hard for them to get, you know, financing again.
0: So Wow. So with that, you know, why is it, you know, like you said, like... With your services that you offer with Alternative a Funding Partners. Mm-hmm. Why isn't it just, you know, people always say, hey, you can go find funding over here. That, why isn't it just one place where investors and business owners just can, like, go and meet? Why is that not a thing?
1: There's too many. Um, it's just, it's almost like saying, hey, Match.com, how do they exist? You know? <laughs> well, how come we can't just get people all in the same room and let them figure out who likes who and... That's the same thing that it goes, you know, in the finance industry. There, There's specific needs that a business has, and there's also specific specific needs of a bank. And if they don't match up in a up, well, then they don't partner. They can't partner together. Um, it doesn't mean that there's nobody that's going to partner with that particular um, company. It just means that maybe nobody in Denver wants to partner with them. Maybe mm. um, nobody in, you know, this particular side of the United States. So... Um, It's, it's difficult because there are so many institutions that are out there and different ways of getting funding to say, well, let's just have them all come together and do it that way.
0: Because I've seen so many people say the terminology of like, you know, it's really about who you know. You know somebody, you grew up in a, a influential neighborhood where people was wealthy, things like that, you can find funding very, you know, oh, my cousin is a lawyer, he's a doctor, he's a, he owns a business, he is an investor, and in right. whatever the case may be, versus if you come from an impoverished background, you know, and you have the same drive and smarts, but you just don't have that, you can't get $125,000 with a snap of your finger, right. where does that person go? And that's How a, does they know that you, you know, I mean, that's why I'm doing this show. Right to expose what you do to everybody else. But the average person, if they don't see this show, they never saw this show, and they're from Waynesboro, Georgia, like me,
1: mm-hmm. where do you go? Right. That's the tough part. I mean, that's that's a really, that's a big issue in, in the United States, I think. And I don't know the answer to that one. You know, I think that it's, um, there's always going to be that situation of who you know, um, your experiences. Um, I think that, you know, they're, I don't know the remedy to that other than saying, you know, try to educate yourself as much as possible listening into your show, mm-hmm. doing your research as much as possible online, Google it. And I know that not everybody has a computer. Go to the library, you know, walk into the library and Google, you know, funding sources and alternative funding sources or whatever. And different things will come up. And it's a lot harder for those who don't have the connection to find those mm-hmm. individuals or find those sources than someone who knows a doctor or a lawyer, lawyer that's
0: a hedge fund manager exactly. Now, if it was you and you know, he was Mrs. Stone Napier, someone contact you and say Hey, I have this idea, I want to buy this McDonald's or whatever, and it's going to cost me XYZ. And you know, I don't have the, the seed money, but I know this will work because I got the business model. What would you tell that person? How would you start off? Would you say, Hey, you need to build a business plan first, hey, you need to do XYZ? what would be the ducks in the row they need to get?
1: I definitely suggest that they have some sort of business plan. And I'm not saying that they have to have a, you know, um, the the most technically solid business plan, but what they need to do as far as getting money is that they need to understand what money they need, how much they need, what is it going to be going towards. So we call that sources and uses. Where do you have the money coming in from? How do you plan on using it? Show how the business is going to be profitable. And if you can't answer those questions, going into a business or starting up a business or a franchise or whatever it may be, you need to do more homework. You need to understand how is this business going to make money? Because it can't just be, I have an idea that I think is going to make money. I'm going to go out and make, you know, produce this one particular thing. Well, if if you can't prove to anybody else, a potential investor or a bank, that you're going to be able to repay back that money or be a profitable business, you're kind of out of luck. So understand your business. Make sure you understand the finances of your business, how you're going to make money. Um, the business plan will help in understanding the market for it. Is there a need for it? Um, I would hate for somebody to go out and say, I'm going to make a bunch of buggy whips because um, <laughs> we don't have horse and buggies anymore. So, you know, you might not get any funding for that. <laughs> now, would you advise
0: someone to follow their passion?
1: Absolutely.
0: So, you know, Absolutely. even like, hey, I love making these whips. So I love, uh, you know, someone like myself. Right. I love doing finances, and entrepreneur, and investing, and whatnot, All mm-hmm. right. And you would know, well, you have things that are way more profitable out there, but a person has a passion for something. Would you say, hey, you need to find something that makes money, or would you say find that passion and turn that passion into profit? Which would you
1: say? I would say both, okay? You do, you, whatever you do in life, I'm a firm believer, even more so now than I ever was before, that you do need to find what you're excited about, what gets that fire burning inside, and go after that. Um, sometimes on the surface it may not show as something that's going to be profitable. Okay. Um, But you need to understand, well, how do I, how do I twist and turn it? How do I make it to where it makes sense economically? And so that way I can, you know, sustain, you know, my life for it. Um, That's what you should do because you're going to find that sometimes money's not everything. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, it does a lot, you know, don't get me wrong. It does help. It does help. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it's not everything, and I, I think at the end of the day, doing something that you absolutely love and that you're excited about um, sometimes can outweigh what actually is, you know, not necessarily profitable. Okay. Now, I say both though, right? Because I, like I said before, I would hate for somebody to be so passionate about something that's going to be that, that drives them, you know, bankrupt or homeless. You know, there, that does that doesn't make sense. It's kind of counterproductive. Mm-hmm. Um, so understand that whatever you do want to get into that, is there a financial viability of that?
0: Now, one of the things that you went and done, that I noticed that you've done, you know, you was at Wells Fargo for that many years, and you left one to Alternative Fund Partners, but you do music, <laughs> right? Yes. a music career, uh, you know, I know you saxophone and things like that. Yes. Is that something that you found that was a passion that you said, hey, I want to do this, and now I have to figure out a way to fund this and whatever the case may be, or was just, was like a hobby you just
1: picked up? So music is a deep passion of mine. Mm -hmm. Um, I've known since I can remember as a child, um, listening to music in my house. My dad was an avid jazz, R&B, soul fan, had records that I used to listen to. So I've always had music playing in my home. At the first opportunity I had to pick up an instrument, I took advantage of that and picked up the saxophone. Actually went to school for music performance, got a full ride scholarship up to University wow. of Northern Colorado to play music. Um, thought that I was going to do music as a livelihood, and got married, had a kid uh, Reality at the time. Set in. Yeah. <laughs> <You see? laughs> Reality set in, absolutely. But you know, on the same token, though, it is a passion of mine, and I am finding a way to um, to make that something that I can focus on, and also create a revenue stream from it. I know, you know, this is your, the investor investing show. Um, As with any investing, you want to have a diversified portfolio. portfolio. Mm -hmm. Um, As an individual, I realize now more than ever that my income stream should be diversified as well. So I don't rely just on, you know, being a, a commercial loan broker or just on, you know, playing the saxophone. I focus on various different things to see, okay, well, if something were to happen in the financial sector, will I have this to fall back on? Mm. So to answer your question long way, um, I am a saxophonist. I did release my, um, my debut solo album, gosh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, selling absolutely amazing. Um, I have some, I have a website out there for my music too, getting ready to release it on iTunes and Spotify and all that here soon, so.
0: Okay, definitely.
1: Um, so I was gonna ask that, where can people see it? You know, it check me out, Stone or oh, what is it, SN3 Music. SN3. Okay. Sn the number three music dot com. You can go out there, check out the tracks, and download the entire CD from there. Um or hit me up, you know. when does it get no iTunes and Spotify? It'll be on iTunes see that's that's a different thing. That's a different show altogether as far as why I'm holding out on iTunes and oh, Spotify. Okay, okay. So, is it a financial reason? It is not so much a financial for me, but it's the way that the music business is going. Um Individuals who release on on iTunes and Spotify—that's purely to get um, to get recognition. Not not so much recognition, but popularity. You know, so people understand you and hear you, so that way you can get other venues. You don't get paid on those, though. Oh, uh, the profit sharing. Roth, the way that you make money in, in iTunes and iTunes and Spotify and things like that is very very minimal. So I find it better. For yeah. instance, if I were to put it on iTunes right now. Um, and have it on their streaming services I might get 0.06 cents a spin um, <laughs> and so if I were to sell it on my site on its own, I could sell each track for dollar twenty. wow it's not major money it's not millions but it's a lot better than making a million <laughs> people listen to it to get a dollar <laughs>
0: yeah man, yeah that's yeah that's crazy yeah okay so you know to switch gears here for a second that we spoke on about, uh, you know the commercial loans and the funding and things like that how can people get in contact with you to figure out more about that
1: if they wanted to you know? absolutely so um, I'm with alternative funding partners and so you can google though google that um, company and to get a hold of me you can reach me at stonewall at alternative um, I'm out there but I just I'm on gosh what is it um, <laughs> I'm on LinkedIn Instagram and all those things too so Feel free to reach out. I'm more than happy to, to see what we can do. Granted, I there's a lot of things that we can do, but we're not miracle workers. There are certain yeah. deals that we just... If you have no money, no credit, no collateral, I I,
0: Don't know what you I can't you. help you. Yeah. Got it. Now, if you want to put up a house, do you have, to have the deed to the house? House got to be paid off, or how does that go?
1: If you want to put up a house to... To get a loan. You would actually... Um, depending upon... If the house is owned outright, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's not, easier. If it's not owned outright, then it, it becomes a little bit more tricky because the whoever um, gave the first mortgage or whoever lent the money first, they're what's in what's called first position, mm. and so they have to be okay with somebody else coming in and encumbering the, um, the property um, with whatever you know whatever's there. But either way, though, that person that's coming in and saying, "Hey, we'll give you a second mortgage," was you know a second mortgage on the property. Um, they know that they're in second place, so yeah. first person who gets paid off should they need to liquidate the property is going to be the that first, um that first first loan, first loan it, person.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, but um, is there anything else you want to leave people out there with, or anything before we get out of here?
1: You know, I think the biggest thing that I would leave people with is knowing that although, you know, your traditional bank may mm-hmm. say, "Hey, we can't do this particular deal for you as a as a company." It doesn't mean that that's the end of the story. There's different ways of getting funding, um, so you just have to research that. Reach out to me; more than happy to see what we can do for you. Um, just don't be discouraged by by the first bank telling you no.
0: All right. Well, guys and girls and people around the world, my name is Prince Dice. This is the Prince of Investing. That's Mr. Stonewall Nate Peer here. Uh, don't forget to hit the like, subscribe, comment, and share button. Until the next cartoon video or whatever else you see me do around the globe peace be safe i'm out and thank you